John 6, 1 to 15 says this. After this, Jesus went away to the other side of the Sea of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias. And a large crowd was following him because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. Jesus went up on the mountain, and there he sat down with his disciples. Now the Passover, the feast of the Jews, was at hand. Lifting up his eyes then, and seeing that a large crowd was coming toward him, Jesus said to Philip, Where are we to buy bread so that these people may eat? He said this to test him, for he, knew him, uh, for he himself knew what he would do. Philip answered him, Two hundred denarii would not buy enough bread for each of them to get a little. One of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? And Jesus said, Have the people sit down. And now there was much grass in that place, so the men sat down, about five thousand in number. Jesus then took the loaves, and when he had given thanks, he distributed them to those who were seated, so also the fish as much as they wanted. And when they had eaten their fill, he told his disciples, gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. And so they gathered them up and filled twelve baskets with fragments from the barley, le- barley loaves left by those who had eaten. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, This indeed is the prophet who has come into the world. Perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, Jesus withdrew again to the mountain by himself. Let's pray. God, we thank you for the opportunity to look at your word this morning. We pray that you bless the preaching of it. God, we pray your spirit would guide and direct uh, my words. They would be honoring to you and that Jesus would be lifted up in this text. It's in his name we pray. Amen. So this is a story that many of you have probably heard, the feeding of the 5,000. Um, This is actually the only of the miracles that is recorded in all four of the Gospels. Uh, That being sort of makes sense for us because the three other Gospels spent a lot of time uh, talking about Jesus' ministry during his time in Galilee. And this happens to be one of the miracles that John records while Jesus is in Galilee. And so it overlaps with a lot of what uh, the other three Gospels uh, record. And so this gospel, uh, this, this miracle is, is across all, all four of them. As we go through this passage and, and look at it a little bit closer, I really just want to cover a few things. And, um, and that's this, the, focusing on the crowd that is at hand. We see in, we'll see in this passage that Jesus sees the crowd, he feeds the crowd, And he leads the crowd. Three very simple things that he does as he sees this crowd gathering. At first, Jesus sees the crowd. As we look at verses uh, 1 to 7, we see this crowd sort of assemble around Jesus. Verse 1, Jesus went away to the other side of Galilee, which is the Sea of Tiberias, and a large crowd was following him, because they saw the signs that he was doing on the sick. 
Now, as Jesus has begun to do miracles here and there throughout his ministry, people are starting to catch on that maybe they can see something when they go hang out with Jesus. Maybe they can see some miracle happen. Maybe they see some uh, lame man walk or some water turn to wine or these things that we've seen in John already. Maybe they could see some of these things happen and be amazed and be wowed by them. They saw the signs that Jesus was doing on the sick. They saw that he was healing people, doing miracles. And so that's why they were following him. So they could also see these signs. Jesus uh, goes up on a mountain there and is sitting with his disciples. And here it says, just as a side note, that this is now the Passover. This is the second Passover that John records. He records three. Um, One is... Uh, one is earlier on when he's, uh, I didn't write it down. <laughs> one is earlier on um, uh, when he cleanses the temple. That's right. One is when he cleanses the temple. Uh, one is here on the mountain as he's preaching to the crowd. And the final is just before he is going to sacrifice himself on the cross for us. So this is really the midpoint in John's sort of uh, chronology of Jesus' ministry here, and he's just noting that this is the Passover, the feast of the Jews, that it was at hand, that it was coming up here. So as he lifts his eyes, he sees this large crowd was coming toward him, and he turns to Philip and asks this question, where are we to buy this bread that these people may eat? So how are we going to feed all these people that have come out to this mountain on the side of the sea? Jesus was really just doing this to test Philip because he knew what was going to happen. As I said, Jesus sees the crowd. In, uh, in the other Gospels, we have a little bit of explanation of what he was seeing. As John describes, he just simply sees the crowd in Mark it records this as the crowd comes out to him in Mark chapter 6, verse 33 to 35. Now many saw them going and recognized them, and they ran there on foot from all the towns and got there ahead of them. So they went out to the mountain and were there at the same time as Jesus and his disciples were, were arriving. Verse 34, and when he went ashore, he saw a great crowd and had compassion on them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. And he began to teach them many things. When it grew late, his disciples came to him and said, this is a desolate place and the hour is now late. And then Jesus says, well, where, where are we going to get the food for these people? Jesus, when he sees the crowd, they are, they are looking for a sign from him. They're, they're coming to see him do great miracles, but Jesus sees something different in them. He sees this, that, that they need compassion. He sees that they are like sheep without a shepherd. See, the crowd was looking for something. They thought they knew what they needed to see. They thought what they needed to see was a sign. But Jesus saw beyond what they were wanting to what they were actually in need of. Jesus had compassion on these people because he knew they were like sheep without a shepherd. 
They were looking for that which they wanted rather than that which they needed. They needed to be guided to that which they needed. Jesus sees the crowd and has compassion on them. When he turns to Philip and asks him, uh, where are we to buy, buy bread so that these people may eat? Philip answers and says, 200 denarii would not be enough bread for each of them to get a little bit. Just a little bit. What we understand is that a, den- a denarius is a day's pay for a common laborer. 200 denarii, uh, if you convert that, basically would represent eight months of wages. So this is a huge amount of food that is needed just for each of them to get a little bit of food. Philip looks at the problem, looks at the people and says, this is, this is impossible. There's, there's no way that we're going to feed 5,000 people out here in the middle of nowhere, this desolate place along the sea. Philip is looking at the problem uh, from the natural. Again, as we've seen John sort of record this, the disciples grappling in the natural as Jesus is trying to show them something powerful and beyond that, that he is in control, that he is bigger than that which is seen. And so we see here Andrew actually catching on to see how Jesus is going to feed the crowd. Having just a little bit of faith, looking for a solution at at, at the least. In verse 8, one of his disciples, Andrew, Simon Peter's brother, said to him, There's a boy here who has five barley loaves and two fish, but what are they for so many? I mean, he's thinking maybe we can split these up somehow. That's all really Jesus needed was Andrew to come and say, We've got this, Lord. What do we do? And Jesus has them sit down. What Jesus shows us here is that faith is needed to feed the crowd. Faith is needed to feed the crowd. It's it's what he's trying to challenge Philip with. Philip, we see these people. We see that we're now responsible to feed them. We need to feed them something. So how are we going to do that? Philip says, we don't have money. We can't. There's no way. Andrew says, We've got this. Lord says, sit down. Have them sit. Let's spread this out. An amazing thing happens as they start distributing the food. It just begins to be stretched. They break it, break it, break it, break it, break it, and just seems to keep on breaking. Here's this crowd of people that Jesus sees and has great compassion on. And he shows us that with faith we can feed a great crowd of people. And that Jesus indeed supplies abundantly. As the people sit down, 5,000 men 
in number and presumably their children and their wives among them. It says they also distribute the fish and they have as much as they want of these two fish. (laughs) It says when they've eaten their fill, he told his disciples, go ahead and gather up the food. So they begin gathering the food up that nothing may be lost, which is a sort of a tradition. I mean, we, we all do that too. We pack up our leftovers and put them in the fridge and have a better spaghetti the next day, right? And so they gather up the leftover fragments that nothing may be lost. And, and as they gather them up, what they find is that they have filled up 12 basketful of fragments from the barley loaves, the five barley loaves left by those who had eaten. We really shouldn't uh, let the fact of 12 be mistaken here. I mean, sometimes we can read too much into numbers, but all of the Gospels record that there were 12 basketfuls of, of bread taken over. It's not just an estimate, it's an actuality. And what we know here is that Jesus is the one that's in control of this miracle. <laughs> He's the one that took five barley loaves and turned them into food enough for 5,000 and 12 basketfuls exactly left over. D.A. Carson in his commentary says this, that, that there were 12 baskets is almost certainly significant. The Lord has enough to supply the needs of all 12 of the tribes of Israel. All four of the Gospels draw attention to this number. What is he saying by this? He's saying that I am the fulfillment. I am the one that supplies you. I am the one that redeems you. We even see a little bit of recognition of this at the end when when the crowd begins to presume upon him who he is. Jesus supplies abundantly and he supplies purposely. His purpose in, in doing every single one of the miracles he did was to draw attention to who he really was not who people wanted him to be. Jesus sees the crowd and Jesus feeds the crowd, having compassion on them and showing us to walk in his ways and to feed the crowds we see, we must have faith. He does so abundantly and purposely. But finally, Jesus leads the crowd. As I said earlier, they were looking for something. And Jesus knows that what they're looking for is something they want. But what they're not looking for is what they need. And his head-on intention is to draw them into what they need rather than what they want. Look at verses 14 to 15. When the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. They see that all these men are fed and that 12 baskets get taken over. They connect him to the prophet that is spoken of in Moses in the Pentateuch, which happens to be, and I'm not sure if this is significant or not, but happens to be five books turned into 12 Barley, 12 basketfuls left over. 
When they saw the signs that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who has come into the world. And we see that they see him even more than just a prophet because Jesus is perceiving that they want to exalt him as king. They see that this prophet is, is said to be one that leads them in a political fashion. And so Jesus, perceiving then that they were about to come and take him by force to make him king, <coughs> withdraws to the mountain by himself. Jesus knows that what they want to see is a sign and a power of this man. And what they want to see is this man wield his power for Israel to be built up and overthrow Rome. That's, that's, that's what they want. That's their messianic expectation is that Jesus or whoever it is going to be will come and save them from the Romans that are oppressing them. Jesus powerfully demonstrates to them that yes, he is the fulfiller of Israel's needs perfectly. And, and that yes, he is compellingly the Messiah that is to come that fulfills the law, fulfills the prophets. But he is certainly not the king that they desire. He's more than that. So he sees them, he feeds them, and, and when they want to place him in a, in a position of political power and strength for their own benefit, he rejects that because he cares about their hearts. It would do nothing for them to just see another king come through. He rejects the kingship they desire and later, as we'll see the story unfold, he calls them to relationship with himself. Jesus withdraws again to the mountain by himself. We see very plainly in this passage, Jesus sees the crowd that is around him. He feeds the crowd. He, he literally takes care of their needs. But he purposely and clearly leads them to that which they need rather than that which they want. As we consider this for our own lives, I want us to go with these few things. First this, let us lift our eyes with compassion toward the crowds around us like sheep without a shepherd. Let us see the crowd. There is a crowd around us and, and many of us have been in the crowd ourselves. We've been there with a clear image of what we think will fulfill us. And God knows it's something else. So for us, let us see the world that is around us, this city that we're in, our family, our friends, our coworkers, our neighbors. Let's see around us that the crowd is looking for something. There are people here in downtown and they're looking for something. 
There are people on the beach. They're looking for something. There's people in our schools. There's people in the malls. There's people on the streets. They're looking for something. Something they think will fulfill them. Something they think will make them whole. May we lift our eyes and and have compassion on this crowd that is looking for something. May we see beyond what they are wanting into what they are in need of. Second, let's have faith in the Lord's provision through you. Jesus, in this instance, doesn't just manifest bread like out of thin air. In the wilderness, they brought manna from heaven. God brought manna from heaven and falls into the camp. Jesus didn't do that this time. He, he took literally this little boy's five barley loaves and two fish and transformed them into something that fulfilled the need. He took something that was completely inadequate to fulfill 5,000 plus people with food and makes it adequate. Makes it not just adequate, but abundant. As you first see the crowd, know that you are also able and capable to feed the crowd. So often, I, and I'm sure you, look at a crowd and say, oh, there's so many people and so many needs. I can't, what can I do? Say, take your five barley loaves and your two fish and say, Lord, I've got this. Help me feed this crowd. Let us have faith that the Lord can provide what the crowd needs through us. And finally this, let us also lead the crowd. Not to a religion, but to a Savior. Not to a religion, but to a Savior. See, there are many great things we could do to help tangible needs. And we could do them with great fervor and excitement. And we could literally, I mean, there are people doing this. They're feeding lots of people that truly need, physically need food, right? And that's a good, positive thing. But when that stops at exalting what humans are capable of, instead of pointing to the one who created the food in the first place, instead of pointing to the Savior that provides for our spiritual nourishment, it falls short of what Jesus calls us to. There's a crowd here. And they have a need. It's physical, and we ought to fulfill it. But more than that, it's spiritual, and we must fulfill it.
See, if we see the crowd and we feed the crowd and stop there, we've given people religion. That's all we've done. He said, here is religious practice. Is it good? Yeah, it's a good thing. But we haven't led the crowd to the Savior. We have to see the crowd. We have to feed the crowd. We have to lead the crowd to the one who fulfills us eternally. And Jesus later in chapter 6, we'll, and we'll go through it to, to great extent, will show us that he is the bread of life and call these people to a relationship with him specifically. Not to some system of belief, but to Jesus, the Lord and Savior. Let us lift our eyes with compassion to the crowds that are like sheep without a shepherd. Let us have faith that the Lord will provide through you the means and the words to share with those who are in desperate need of them. And finally, let us always be sure to lead the crowd to the Savior. to the foot of the cross, to Jesus, who gave his life for us, that we might be restored to God the Father through him. Let's pray. God, we thank you for this um, miracle that you did at the Sea of Galilee. We thank you for your purpose in doing it. We thank you that it shows us your character that you didn't just blindly go uh, performing miracle after miracle here and there to garner some crowd. But rather, you knew exactly what you were going about to do. And you did it with great purpose. You saw the crowd coming out, had compassion on them. You fed them, taking care of their needs. And you called them to something deeper than just a sign or a wonder or a religion. You called them to faith in you that they might have eternal life. Lord, I pray we would walk in the same manner that we too would see the crowds around us. See those you have sovereignly placed in our path. We pray even that you would place more in our path that we too would feed them as we are able. But that we too would call them to that which satisfies for eternity. You. God, we are grateful for the life you gave for us. May we go and do likewise. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.